electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. If this market's still not crazy enough for you, let me just say that you ain't seen nothing yet. Today, the averages bounced back and forth. Dow only gained three points. That's to be advancing 0.01%. NASDAQ climbing 0.20%. Boy, was it hot at one point. After we got the outline of phase one trade deal China. President Trump has agreed to lower some of our tariffs in exchange for what looks like $50 billion a year in agricultural purchases, a couple of other unknown industrial deals, and some much firmer protections against intellectual property theft and currency manipulation. And those last two pieces, please, you've got to understand, that's what the United States is fighting for. That's the real meat of the deal. We need tougher enforcement against Chinese companies that steal our patents and trade secrets. And we need China to swear off currency manipulation. The actual purchase, it's called ag. I don't know. I see in the case. It's in the case. Let me tell you, but I want to make this really clear. Ag is not what this is about. But we've got to spend some time on it because it's what people are going to talk about. China has a history of not following through with its trade commitments. And this time, we've got powerful enforcement mechanism. There's still going to be a 25% tariff on $250 billion worth of Chinese imports with a 7.5 levy on another $120 billion that had been cut, even as this weekend's planned tariff hikes have been axed. See, if the Chinese Communist Party breaks the deal, you should expect to see those tariffs to go right back up. So still for now... The deal seems to be happening. When we come in on Monday, all right, we're going to find out exactly who are the lucky winners from this Chinese largesse. We know China's in desperate need of pork right now. Their pig population is reduced by 55% based on metric tons, not pigs themselves, by the incredibly infectious airborne African swine fever. The devastation continues in their backyard farms where most of the pigs are raised, and they don't have the standards that we had that can stop the illness. So the price of pork has shot through the roof in China, and they've been living off of their frozen pig repositories, which cannot last forever. It's an emergency in China, and that's causing a lot of this deal. That's why I expect some very big hog purchases right up front. More important, you're beginning to see American hog farmers building out new supply, something they've been reluctant to do in the middle of a trade war. Now that we've got a phase one deal, it makes sense for them to expand their capacity. And by the way, there are many different states. I know voters are concerned about this. Many different states that have hog farmers. They're the huge beneficiaries of what I expect to be a gigantic deal. 
unless China wants massive hog inflation, which we should hear about these deals very early. Remember, Tiananmen Square, we think it's only about freedom of speech, but it started out as about food inflation. So the Chinese are worried. If pork prices are headed higher, you as an investor might be thinking about buying Tyson Foods. That's the leading protein play that also sells chicken and beef. And they will become more competitive because, believe me, if this, con- if this deal is announced, the price of pork in our country is going to go up dramatically. We still don't have enough details on the industrials, financials, and energy companies that we bless with Chinese buying. But I'm sticking by my belief that the credit card companies, the large banks, Schlumberger, that's the oil service kingpin, and some of the larger machinery plays will see a short-term uh, boost. I went over, all, went over all those in yesterday's show. The list is still around. Now, how much goodwill truly exists between the two countries? As big-time Chinese communist Zhou Enlai once said about the French Revolution, too soon to tell. He was hilarious. But the level of genuine goodwill might not even matter when FedEx reports on Tuesday after the close, because anything's better than the purgatory that these guys have been stuck in. Yeah, uh, they've had a huge build-out in China, and they haven't had enough commerce to show for it. Their future looks brighter with a preliminary trade deal, but certainly that's it. I know FedEx has been a serial disappointer. I'm not saying the quarter will be any good at all. In fact, I think it'll be awful. But the stock's been clobbered so much that I'm betting it could rally if management says something even mildly positive about trade. We'll also hear from Cintas. Believe it or not, these guys have actually been, been saying nasty things about them. I love this Uniform Rental Company. They got a terrific read on the pulse of small and medium-sized business. In addition, Uniforms, by the way, they handle restroom supplies, entrance mats, all sorts of really boring things that small enterprises need to replace regularly. Uh, and not that long ago, an outfit called Spruce Point Capital published a piece making all sorts of allegations about this company and its conduct. I, I don't buy it. I'm expecting terrific quarter from Sintas, thanks to robust business growth. But the emboldened short sellers could make this a real battle royale. And remember how I felt? I told you I said about about typical battlegrounds. I said no. Uh, people thank you. people who who think that uh, you know now I want to go buy a Tesla like this minute. I appreciate that. People who hate me because I said that I like Tesla, I appreciate you too. Speaking of small and medium-sized, although I want you to lose in your fantasy football league and get, really get the, your head clocked on Sunday. But on Wednesday, we get results from paychecks, okay? The payroll processor of choice for these smaller operators, they've got tremendous insight into the state of the economy. Marty Musi always tells us what's really going on. Well, people didn't care much for that last quarter, I told you it was a buying opportunity. Right again. That sounded bad. I was right on this. If paychecks pulls back once again, please, before the quarter, I would do some buy. Oh, and, and by the way, um, the stock has so consistently been great, and the analysts still really do dislike it. One more, one more I really like here. I, I did this one for you last time. Herman Miller. They make those fantastic Aeron chairs. I got one for my wedding. Someone gave it to me for a wedding present. With all sorts of other high-end, high-end office furniture, the kind, there's a wedding present for you, an Aeron chair. Well, thanks for two. Ah, the kind of stuff companies buy in a tight labor market to attract talent employees. They buy Herman Miller chairs. That's what caused the upside last time. They don't cause it again. All right, we also get results from one of the most controversial tech plays, which is Micron, the commodity semiconductor maker, which doesn't think it makes commodity semiconductors because those things are so hard to make these days. I, I'm begging you right now. Listen, listen to me. The guidance is going to be different from what they say in the headline. The headline's going to say blah, blah, blah. The guidance is what's going to move the stock. Micron's been buffeted by everything from Chinese espionage to gluts in both of their key, uh, key products, DRAMs and flash memory. I think the company's finally coming out of the doldrums. Stock hit a 52-week high today. 
Given how much it's run, this is not the ideal time to do some buying. But let's say the stock gets hit on Monday off of uh, the fact that hogs weren't bought or Tuesday because, Fed, well, Fed is after the club, but you know what I mean. If, if it gets hit because of some program selling that's related to the, the trade, then you probably want to buy some micron. Now, lately, we've been seeing some signs of life in the packaged goods segment. So we got a couple of reporting, General Mills. You know what? Took a hit the other day, but it, it, it brought the stock down to 3% yield. I expect good things. Cereal, and I think they're pet food. It's that blue buffalo. It's the really expensive stuff made in America. That said, if you like the food stocks, I prefer PepsiCo with its terrific snacks and beverages. Coca-Cola is no slouch either, by the way, 3% yield. Speaking of food, ConAgra reports on Thursday morning. Will this be the quarter where they finally get their act together? Stock's been volatile, 3% yield. Tempted to buy some before the quarter and maybe after. Smart guys. And how about the restaurant business? We hear from Darden, the parent company of Olive Garden and a bunch of smaller chains. And while the, the last quarter was, it was good, it wasn't good enough, I found the conference call a little too existential. As in, why do we even need this company, given that Olive Garden is no longer growing like it used to? Then I remembered that Olive Garden's a terrific chain that offers great value, which is why I'm actually betting that you're going to get a good number. Don't forget, Darden's remarkably shareholder-friendly. I'd like to invite them on the show, please, because I know they like it and they watch it. And we share the uh, that we share the never ending salad bowl uh, persuasion. Sometimes this business really is as easy as it seems. And that's how I feel about the stock of Nike, which reports Thursday for the close. Hence why this, it hit an all time high today uh, after the trade resolution with China, because Nike sells a ton of shoes over there. Remember, footwear was going to be part of the tariffs that, that were supposed to happen this weekend. Let's hope the stock comes in before the quarter, because I think it's worth buying on a pullback. Finally, we need to know how the auto and RV markets are holding up. We're going to find out when we hear from CarMax, the used car retailer. They've been doing quite well. And Winnebago, what a, that thing's been amazing. CarMax stock's up 50% for the year. Winnebago's nearly doubled. With employment this strong, I think they both have room to run. They had been down and outers for a while. Interesting list. All right, bottom line. Now that we've got a phase one trade deal with China, we can go back to focusing on the earnings. And you know what? I think next week, with the exception of FedEx, we're going to see a lot of good ones. Victor in Florida. Victor. How you doing, Jim? Long time listener, first time caller, big Miami Dade County. Booyah. Well, there you so go. I got, FD, they, Don. I got FDX for you, Jim. Oh. Free, free uh, I McMorris. talked about it this morning when I was having that kind of bizarre interchange with my friend, buddy, pal, David Faber. And I said, this is the stock that every hedge fund wants to own. It's the old Freeport Copper, which, of course, they did by Phelps Dodge. That's PD, and now it's Pager Duty, Jen Tejada. Um, so here's what I have to say. I say, if you buy that stock, you're in a trading whamma jamma mode, and I'm not going to get into whamma jamma. And when I was in my pajamas, I used to do whamma jamma, but not now. I'm a serious investor, and Freeport is for pikers. Let's go to Dustin in Arizona. Dusty. Good afternoon, Mr. Kramer. How you doing? Uh, having a great day. How about you? Me, I am as well. Thank you. My question, I've researched tandem diabetes for a few months and looking at another health sector stock. It seems like tandem diabetes started, started off extremely well a few years ago and then dropped off. And the last year, it's gone off pretty well, but it's held off lately. 
I wanted to know what your thoughts were. This is Look, a good I like the stock. Something's going on in that stock. It is up three or down three every day, and it is nauseating people. I will only tell you that I, I like management and I like the product, but if you want to sleep at night, you have to go with Abbott Labs, and if you want the juice, you go with Dexcom. How about Adam in Pennsylvania? Adam. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Long-time fan here. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you very much. What's up? So, so with GE beating Q3 estimates in both revenues and EPS, along with the UBS analysts just recently saying that 2020 is going to be a huge year for them, right. finally the tide turning in the stock. All right. I want to keep expectations down. I will tell you that I think Larry Culp is doing a great job. You do need to see some sort of boring resolution before you get real good numbers. But anybody who buys GE here, I look, I, ever since Larry came in, yeah, I call him Larry. I go out, well, you know, what I do, I, it's, it's about friends and money, whatever you want. Um, but Larry's good. And Larry's turning it around. And the naysayers, they're going to have to pound sand. And they're going to have to wear bags over their heads when they go by headquarters, wherever it is these days. All right. Uh, we can finally go back after all this craziness and uh, the pork, yeah, whatever. We start focusing on earnings. Although, remember, the deal involves hogs, okay? And the need that they have, the desperate need to fight food inflation in China that no other show is talking about, believe me. Well, man, money tonight, with more retailers looking for ways to fight back against Amazon, I'm eyeing one under-the-radar player who's helping companies do just that. Then what Costco's conference call can tell us about the trade war? And Centene dropped a little bit today after the company lowered its guidance. Is it a red flag or is it a buying opportunity? I'm talking with the CEO, so stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. After selling off hard over the summer, many of the cloud-based software stocks, well, they've started to come roaring back in the fourth quarter. Take Anaplan. 
which has a software as a service platform that helps businesses with forecasting and financial planning, something that's very useful in an increasingly uncertain world. Thanks to its recent move, the unplanned stock is now up more than 90% for the year, even as it's still down 9 bucks from its highs over the summer. I think it could have more room to run as the company just reported its very strong quarter a few weeks ago. So let's take a closer look with Frank Calderoni. He's the chairman and CEO of Anaplan to get a better sense of how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Calderoni, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Frank. Have a seat. Uh, Frank, I saw you right on the eve of the IPO, and I remember they were pricing in around 17 bucks. And I know your background, and I knew the business plan. And I said to myself, how did they arrive at a price of 17 with this man who is going to drive this company's growth? How did that happen? Because in many ways, that's the kind of bargain that people really need to find. Well, that was over a year ago. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, we, we had, uh, I, I thought it was a great price uh, yeah. from, a, from a timing perspective uh, for our shareholders at the time, the VCs right. that were investing in the others that were investing in the company, and then also from a market perspective. Um, you know, the, the best thing I felt kind of going through the whole process was you want to make sure you get the right balanced uh, price. Right. So you have an ability to kind of then go into a public market, show the results, and see some of the uh, improvement. I think over the past year, as you said, we've had now four quarters uh, since the IPO that we've been able to deliver consistent and growing uh, top line and also improving on our bottom line, which, and, uh, which is a good message. And this, this is really important, people. The billings accelerator, they were already at 46%. You hit 50, 59%. How does, how does someone go from 46% to 59% acceleration? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's, it's kind of the space that we're in right now. I mean, if, if you kind of think about the, the backdrop and also, you know, SaaS companies in, in total, the whole digitization um, mm-hmm. is really starting to accelerate. You know, even, and this is a global phenomenon. I was, I was in Japan um, over the summer, too. And it was interesting to kind of see where the Japanese uh, companies are really kind of uh, advancing their focus on digitization. So I think that as a backdrop is forcing companies to take a different look at what they're doing on the planning space. Right. And so we're, we're taking it, uh, you know, we, we've got a great platform that we can offer great value uh, in a reasonable amount of time for companies to implement Anaplan and then also accelerate. And that's really what's driving our growth. We're increasing the number of customers. The customers that we currently have are continuing to add right. to the use of Anaplan within their companies. And so that's great to see. Okay, so uh, of the three that I thought were most significant, you have a giant pharmaceutical company, drug development company, I should call it, a huge airline. And I know that you uh, knew Red Hat, you knew Jim Motors from Delta before. Yes, Red Hat. yes, yes. And then you also have, um, what I thought was really interesting, was a, a customer in the consumer packaged goods space. Now, I'm thinking all these different, do things change enough at these different companies that someone has to update the plan every day? So, you know, I, I think some people feel like planning is something that you do on an annual basis, which right. you do, and you may update on a quarter. I've been in a lot of lousy companies. That's what we do. But, <laughs> and then we kind of complain about yeah, the plan. Yeah, we come to in November, we say, hey, but, what are we doing? But, but I think the, the, the new world, and it's going to continue to change, is real-time planning. Right. right. It's, it's making you're making decisions on an, on a daily basis. And so you need information to be able to help support those decisions. And that's what we do. And we, we try to move companies from that old historical way mm-hmm. of looking at planning to the new way. You know, you just mentioned uh, a CPG company, packaging company. Right. They're big customers of ours, CPG, retail and why? I mean, they're all dealing with, uh, you know, the, ha- the ability to kind of have online sales in 24 hours. Right. I mean, I, my own personal example on Thanksgiving morning. I put in an order with one of the large retailers right. uh, here in the U.S., and I was amazed. The next morning, Friday morning, it was at the doorstep. 
Yeah, right? And, that, and that's not Amazon. We know that Amazon right. can do that. Now right. the others. So everyone's really trying to compete with that. And having insight as to what's going to be ordered, how they're going to deliver it, right. what's in the whole supply chain is, is critical. And that's why we're seeing cosmetic companies, uh, beverage companies, spirit companies. They're all using Anaplan across their supply chain, which is great. Now, when they use Anaplan, do they uh, budget to trend, so to speak? If they've had a couple of bad four days, would it, their lines in Anaplan show that they've got to... They, they've got to be worried for about a potential shortfall? Well, they, they can, and they could also do some what-ifs, right? That's a big right. part. We have modeling capabilities. So right. what if, what if uh, a different mix of product happens uh, like next week, right in the middle of the holiday season, if they had to look at some different trends after the first two weeks and they had to then change that? How do they then modify their supply chain based on that new information to ensure that at the, at the, whether it's online or at the retail outlets, uh, they have what they need to, to meet the necessary demand. You know, I, I was thinking when I was reading it. Now, unfortunately, I, was, I wish I were being facetious. I've been on many, worked with many companies. And I was thinking that a way, a criteria now that I should be asking people is, do you do this kind of what I would be dynamic planning? Because if they don't, then they come it's, to the board meeting, the boards of directors are shocked, and it's already too late. Right. And it's, it's exa- exactly, that's exactly the problem. So, um, you know, as you know, I spent my whole career uh, in the planning space. Sure. So I've lived through different phases of this evolution. You know, I'm, I'm a strong proponent now. I, I think over the next five years, ten years, there's going to be a dramatic shift, and, and, and we're starting to see that and really what's happening in planning. And, and we're talking about, you know, companies that are, you know, 50 years old and, and older that are, are making that pivot, and I think digitization, as I said before, is, is one of the key drivers. Now, you work closely with Salesforce, so how would you integrate what they see their salespeople doing oh. with what the top guys do about their plan? Oh, it's perfect. I mean, it is, right? m- most, of, most of our customers, you know, high percent, I'm saying way over, right. you know, 90 percent, are using Salesforce, and they're also using Anaplan. We actually have our tab in Salesforce because you do all your CRM, right. uh, and then you pull Anaplan in to do some of your other modeling, and it's very integrated, which is perfect. I wish everyone who watched was, it, had a chance to be in business because you would know that this is a blessing to have an Anaplan. I, and I, I would be able to say at a board meeting, guys, will you just get this thing because you really don't have a clue about what you're Doing. I just wish I had it five years ago or ten years ago. I was doing some of the things I in the companies too. I was the part of. Businesses that I've run. But it's remarkable. <laughs> anyway, this is an indispensable product that didn't exist and an indispensable man who's been in a lot of great places. That's Frank Calderoni, the chairman CEO of Anaplan. Again, always very transparent, lots of great stuff. You can learn about it even from the earnings call from November 21st. Very insightful. May have back there to the break. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You want to know why all those most bearish predictions about the trade war turned out to be wrong. The tariffs were supposed to devastate your bank account. 
Instead, they've been mostly isolated and unimpactful. The, the reason? Rather than just give you a series of lists, I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you to go listen to the Costco conference call from last night. This company is in the top of its class when it comes to everything from the lowest prices to worker retention to high-quality produce with private label products that are regarded as superior to most national brands. And it just keeps delivering after delivery. If you somehow have been living under a rock and you don't know Costco, they're one of America's largest retailers by sales. They've got about 100 million dues-paying members. I am a regular. My wife's an executive. And those dues are what keep their prices so low. But crucially, Costco carries a far smaller variety of items than the typical big box store. About 3,700 products, Walmart typically has 120,000. That means Costco can pick and choose. If they think something's too expensive, they scale it down or they switch to a cheaper alternative, but not sacrificing in quality. And that's what gives Costco its scale. They move a ton of volume across a relatively small number of products. Thanks to that scale and management's creativity, inflation is almost a non-issue for this company, according to CFO Richard Galanti, who runs an amazing conference call, a tutorial. When it comes to the tariff, he says, quote, at the end of the day, we think we've done as good as anybody in terms of being able to mitigate the impact, end quote. Galati continues, quote, I think the fact that our quarter over quarter margins, generally speaking, even in departments like hard lines and soft lines, have been slightly up year over year. And certainly we haven't done that without first and foremost being the most competitive out there, end quote. In other words, they've actually been able to keep their margins and have prices low. That's not supposed to happen with tariffs. I also got the sense that every time the Trump administration raised tariffs on Chinese imports, Costco would simply find a private label alternative from somewhere else around the globe. Their Kirkland brand, which I champion, is cheaper and better than what the Chinese make. So it's not like it's much much hardship switching. But you know what? Even if Costco didn't have all of this scale allowing them to mitigate the damage, it might not even matter. Because the American consumer consumer is so flush that we're seeing tons of major discretionary purchases at retail. Glani called out big ticket items, especially electronics, including full price offerings, Apple's accessories, high end gaming computers, video game consoles, big screen TVs, all the stuff that was going to have big tariffs put on it this weekend ain't going to happen. Business will be good. Of course, nothing's perfect. Costco had a major website glitch that caused them to lose some sales, hence in part why the stock pulled back today. It's easy to knock their online purchases, uh, uh, their offerings, because uh, they're not as great as Walmart or Target. But you know what? Ultimately, they're going to figure it out. What, makes, what matters to me is that Costco's business model works perfectly in a trade war. Oh, and you know where it is working best in the globe? Shanghai. Yep, Costco recently opened a store over there, and it was mobbed. And the closer was so busy. How big is the Shanghai opportunity? Glante points out that the average Costco location serves 60 to 70,000 member households. Some of their Asian locations serve 100,000 or even 120,000. But at their Shanghai store, it's already got more than twice those numbers. That's extraordinary. At the end of the day, this company's biggest China problem is that there are 25 million people in Shanghai, and they only got one Costco. Sounds to me like a terrific investment thesis for owning Costco stock for years and years to come. Mamie in New York. Mamie. Yes. Hey. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Mamie. Okay. I own shares of Alibaba, which I purchased back in May. Okay. So was it so is it all about the tariffs? The stock has been on a roller coaster. I notice every day they're going to do the tariffs. The stock goes up. The tariffs don't go through. The stock goes down. What? What's the deal? Well, man, man, I got to tell you, business is so strong there. Uh, they had a huge singles day. Uh, 
with number 11, they are doing incredibly well. It's the only Chinese stock that you can own. It's got great financials, too. It's a really well-run company. So I like Alibaba. Let's go to Norman in Minnesota. Norman! Yes, Jim. Yes. About, about 10 years ago, Sherwin-Williams took a big hit. You came on the air and said, don't worry. The only reason it went down is because the market went down. You said, buy Sherwin-Williams. So I bought it at $47 a share. Today it's $575 a share. Have you got any other advice for me today? Well, first, I'm glad you listened. Now, of course, the catalyst there 10 years ago was a lawsuit in Cincinnati that they had uh, lost about lead paint. And people felt that the lead paint issue was going to bankrupt them. I had spent a lot of time with Sherwin-Williams going over the legal documents that did not seem that it should be bankrupted. And the stock, therefore, took off and deserved it. Get its deserving place. And then they consolidated the industry. They've been able to raise price. But most important, they're just great guys. And congratulations. And stay long, Sherwin-Williams. Simple S-H-W. Costco's model works perfectly in a trade war. Oh, and the irony of ironies, Costco works best in China. Much more mad money, including my sister with Centene, not Dentine, Centene. As Elizabeth Warren backs off from her most radical plans on the healthcare front, wondering how the company's positioning itself, why don't we talk with the CEO? And nearly one in four U.S. households includes someone who suffers from migraines. Tonight, I'm eyeing an under-the-radar but in-my-head biotech player that hopes to, play, to help. And by the way, it's actually migraine. We dropped the S on the American Migraine Foundation spokesperson. Trust me. An order calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Ever since the Democrats running for president started backing away from Medicare for all, the health insurance stocks, they've just been incredible. Just look at Kramer Fave Centene, which administers all sorts of government-sponsored health care plans. Here's a stock that surged from $41 at its lows in early October to $61 and change earlier this month. We're pulling the, uh, back to $57 right now, including a 1.4% decline today. Why did Centene get hit? Well, what the company rolled out its 2020 guidance at today's investors meeting. The earnings forecast was a tiny bit light. But I don't know. After I studied the forecast, I think it was just misunderstood. I think the stock can get its newfound momentum back. So let's check in with Michael Nidorf, the chairman and CEO of Centene, get a clear read on his company's prospects. Mr. Nidorf, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Michael. How are you? Wonderful. All right, now, I I try to tell people in the business for a long time that when you read headlines and it says so-and-so forecast, like whatever, there's no way that they could have gone through all the stuff, which I then have to go do, and realize, well, wait a second, you've got this change with, they give something to CVS, there's a change in North Carolina, that you give, you're a totally transparent man, but there's no way you can do that that was a shortfall. It just doesn't, it's not apples to apples. It was not a shortfall. We said the state of North Carolina postponed it. To be conservative, we said October. And that's six cents a share of development costs, that type of thing. It's 500 million in revenue. That's beyond our control. Right. All the other numbers are there. We, uh, on the uh, marketplace, the ACA, they thought that would be live. We said we're going to have 150, 250 ads. Our big markets are growing. Mm-hmm. I reminded them there was a PIM study that in declining markets, the leaders 
gain share. That's just what we're doing. It's right. Doing very well. Well, let's talk about you being a leader. I, you've made a series of acquisitions, uh, and you went from being a company that I think people would say, well, that's a peripheral company. You are now providing coverage to one in 15 Americans. But when I do my polls and I speak to a lot of people, they, I say, well, guys, do you know Humana? Yeah. Well, you know, because you were on today. How about United Health? Oh, United Health is the biggest. How about Centene? Canteen? Centene? When does your name catch up to your size and your growth? You know, that's a very, we, we've talked about that. And we're going to have to start to do some more marketing to get caught up. But at the same time, the population we're dealing with knows us. Okay? And that's, that's really constant. We have a good continuity. They stick, they stick with us. The marketplace people, they're recommending it. We just had an RFP in Texas. We came in number one in every region, all 12 regions. We're the highest in, in quality. We're the highest in member and provider satisfaction. So at the end of the day, you know, we're growing significantly. Now, can you continue to grow? Um, your, you pay a number, number 21 bond deal. You're paying you know, 4.75. You know, the, the, the notes are incredibly low. But are you going to start running into antitrust? Because you have bought a lot of companies, and now we're starting to see antitrust getting active like we haven't seen in a very long time. You know, in our business, and I'm dealing with the Justice Department right now on the welfare deal. Right. If you think about it, the states decide how many players they want. You know, I could sell us, I could sell, and they could do an RFP tomorrow, and all the whole field changes. Mm -hmm. They set the rates. They set the quality standards. So it's not a typical, if they sit down and think about antitrust issue. Because tomorrow, if the state says, you know, we think it's anti-competitive, we need, they could add two more players. Right, right. And, and then they freeze our membership and give the new players. So antitrust is not the same in our business. Okay, fair enough, because I know that. I, I just have the to CBS, CBS, I thought, got a gift from you guys, but that's what you have to do to close the deal. Yeah, well, I understood that, because what happens in Chicago, where we have 800,000 lives. Right. They wanted one more, competi- one more competitor right. in the South, and that's fine. All right, so let's talk about the field. It looks like that somebody realized what you said would happen. You said on air that Elizabeth Warren's plan was, bless her soul, way too expensive. And people, Americans would actually see that. That apparently is exactly what happened. I think so. And even Elizabeth Warren backed off and said, I'm going to do it in my third and fourth year. Which we know people tend to, they're supposed to get it done at the beginning if it's hard. Right. But I think there's something else that's very important. America, the only way you contain costs in a single payer right. is with hold service. Right. Exactly. And I'm, I have to prove this and confirm it. But I think, that, for example, the country of Canada has fewer MRI machines than the whole city of Philadelphia. Yeah. I picked Philadelphia because I know there's an allegiance. <laughs> okay. But, but people have to understand that. That means you're not getting that MRI. You break your ankle, you're not getting your MRI that afternoon. Right. The other, emerging you might, but... Elected, well, no, no, but I'm elected, saying if, yeah, you, if it's your saying. presumption, yeah, sure. right. you're fighting for that MRI. That's right. And you know, what's really important in Europe, there are people asking us to open surgical centers in the former Eastern European bloc. Really? So people, if they need a knee replacement, they need something. There are some countries, I think, outside of the, their own country are doing more open heart procedures than they are in the country. You can't get them done. It's un- unbelievable. So I, th- I think Americans will start to realize that, and they won't be very happy with a single pair. No, I totally agree. Now, just one more thing about your size. I've got there's a great market expansion slide in your financial guidance. You are there's a lot of states that are not centine states yet. Should I suspect that grid's good? That well, map's going to get filled in? There's a few, but like Oregon, I have, perhaps I have, ever. 
Oh, no, we're, we're up in Oregon. No, I just didn't put anything yeah. in there. Put, but, you know, there is, uh, people don't like when I say it. There are some of those states in the upper Midwest that there's probably more animals than there are people that need health care. Oh, okay. So what we have to do is find a way to consolidate and have yeah. one plan that covers three, four, five states. They're, they're good states, but mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of sparse. Well, you've got to find a plan that lets people know that you're up there with Humana and, and with Cigna and with Aetna and now CVS and with United Health because your growth's better and your stock's much cheaper. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> that's, that's what we do for a living. All right, that's Michael Nyder. He's the chairman CEO of Centene. Guys, I don't want to overload you. It's about 200 pages, but it doesn't take long. And the speech that Michael gave is very crystal clear about why the company's doing well. They have money's back after the break. It is time! It's time for the light round! And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Daddy, time for the light round! We start with John. In California, John! Uh, Jim, you know we love you out here. How are you, Jim? I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, it's been way too long, John. I hope Sacramento's hanging in. What's going on? All right, buddy. I got Berkshire B. I heard something about Berkshire C. I don't understand it. I've been with. Uh, John, we stick with Berkshire B. The stock is breaking out. My friend and colleague, Matt Ruiz, showed me that chart. I said, why am I not pushing that stock better? Let's go to Vincent in Pennsylvania. Vincent. Jimbo, what's up, buddy? G-C-I, buddy. What do you think? Which one? You know? G-C-I. Got it. Nah, it just, uh... I mean, I, it's, it's newspapers. Sorry. Forget it, Jake. It's newspapers. Uh, Parash in New Jersey. Parash. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm a long-time listener. Try to watch your show most of the days. Also, XNLR Plus club member. Oh, and thank you so much for being the club. Thank you. If I, I, I will call you as a Mr. Kramer stock doctor. You can dissect any stock really nicely. I wish my I could. Stock, thank you. That's very kind. My, my stock is TXT, Textron, industrial stock. You know what? Textron is a serial disappointer in my eyes. I don't want you in the stock. I'd rather see you in United Technologies or Honeywell. Textron has let me down too many times. It's cheap, but so what? Kevin in South Carolina. Kevin. Hey, Jim. Uh, Flexion Therapeutic. It's up uh, almost 30 Oh, man, that thing is just on fire. It is on fire. What are they doing? I don't know. The stock is, I mean, it's too hot for me. i got to do work. You know, some of these biotech stocks, I've got to do the work. Amarin, we did the work. The stock's going up tonight. I feel good about that. Cat in California. Cat. Booyah, Jim. I watch you every morning, and then I watch you again in the afternoon. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> of course. I'm looking for a REIT for my retirement account, and in the past, you like Ventas, ticker VTR. Is it still safe to buy? Um, that they had a quarter that was very um, that was a shortfall versus what they said they were going to do. I mean, they then they had a meeting, and then they lowered the guidance. And frankly, uh, it's in the penalty box. And I, people know that I like Deb Cafaro, and I think she's done a good job. She mentioned one of my books, but. That was not good forecasting about the company, uh, by the company. And, and so I can't in good conscience recommend it when they seem to have lost their ability to to, uh, to, to really present their own fortunes. So there I am, a little uh, sour on it. Let's go to, hey, what am I going to do? It's not about friends. David in New York, David. Hey, hi, Joe. 
I, I was wondering about the stock Duke Energy. It was going up, up, uh, almost. Uh, like Duke's good. I mean, Duke's got 4.2. Duke and Southern, they're okay. You know, I like AEP. I, I'm looking on the Semper, by the way. I like the Semper, too. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. For decades, Alzheimer's disease has been the white whale of the biopharma industry. Everybody's looking for a way to treatment, but so far nobody's had much success. So whenever a company seems to be making real progress, you better believe Wall Street takes notice. That's exactly what happened last week when Biohaven Pharmaceuticals, a development stage biotech company focused on neurological conditions, announced that their phase two Alzheimer's drug had passed a futility analysis, meaning that they studied the results and determined it was worth continuing to invest in the darn thing. While this drug, Troyolyozol, Troyolyozol, good enough, only treats the symptoms of the disease, well, that would be a huge step up from what we have now, which is like nothing. And Biohaven stock has roared the past few months because of this uh, and also because of a novel anti-migraine formulation. we got to talk about that, too. And these could be the real deals. And therefore, the stock could have a lot of upside. So let's dig deeper with Dr. Vlad Korek. He's the CEO of Biohaven Pharmaceutical Co- Holding Company to learn more about these drugs and what they mean for the future. Dr. Korek, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you very much. How are you? Good, good. Good to see you. you. Good. Okay, so uh, I've met with many bio uh, and uh, regular pharma people, and they've all said the same, which is Alzheimer's is just too hard. Uh, Biogen just got bounced around on one. Some people said it was good. I bet. Why can Biohaven even have a chance when Alpha's like J&J haven't had any success? Well, first of all, Jim, thank you for having me. Oh, I sure. I really appreciate being here. Alzheimer's is a tough disease, and we have to do better, and we can't stop trying. And okay. so last week you saw we had the results of our interim futility analysis. Yes. It's very encouraging. We had an independent panel of experts review the first six months of treatment of 100 patients who finished therapy. And what they told us is the study should continue. And there was only two ways we could pass that futility analysis. That was if a patient showed improvement on cognition or improvement on biomarkers of Alzheimer's disease. Right. Well, I mean, they would show you the plaque receding in the person's head? In, in our interim futility analysis, it was focused on hippocampal atrophy, that shrinking of the brain. Okay. And um, what we were told by this independent panel is a study should continue because we passed those uh, endpoints. Now, are these people with early onset? Are they older? What, how do you select these people? These are patients with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease, so we already know they have the illness. And so, in other words, this is still, it's been identified that they have it. It's not something that we would take and hope that we wouldn't get it. Correct. That's right. So clinicians are really good at identifying people who already are at that stage. It's not like the early forms of the illness where it's hard to diagnose uh, the memory problem. So, Doc, uh, futility at this stage, how many others have gotten to this stage? And then what's going wrong the other times that that we don't ever see anything in in the pharmacy? Well, we're focused on a new approach. We're focused on modulating glutamate, which is a neurotransmitter in the brain that's been tied to the neurodegeneration of Alzheimer's. It's a different approach. Some of yeah. the other companies are focused on lowering amyloid or lowering tau. Right. We believe if you uh, correct the glutamate problems, you might have a chance. Right, so tell us what a glutamate problem is. So glutamate is the most excitatory neurotransmitter in your brain. When you have too much of it, your neurons start to die. Our drug, hmm. Trorilizol, just normalizes those glutamate levels and brings them down to a lower level. Okay, now you got another uh, one that's important. Um, this afternoon, I have a completely raging migraine. I've been fighting through them for many years. Just 
part of my life. So I take, uh, at the suggestion of a mutual friend of ours, Dr. Newman, indomethacin. I can really take only one or two of them. They're really bad for you. Yeah. Quite bad for you. But they allow me to be able to be, have uh, total concentration and be able to put the migraine aside for a little bit. Is your drug a possible replacement for this ancient drug yeah. that, frankly, is a very inefficient uh, howitzer that's being thrown at something I only need a rifle shot at? Well, you're exactly right, Jim. We're focused on hitting the underlying target that uh, causes migraine headaches in patients. And we need better treatments. It's been 30 years since there's been anything new in this space. There's 30 million people. I agree. And uh, most of them aren't satisfied with their current treatments. They either have bad side effects uh, or they don't respond to their treatments. And so what we've done is focused on remedipant, which hits CGRP. It's a molecule in your body that right. causes the migraine. It blocks that. And the data that we published in the New England Journal of Medicine showed that we had fast relief in patients that lasted for several days. We're very excited about that. But, uh, but not everybody. I understand that it's, it's not like 100 percent of the people are getting that fast relief. No, it, I think it was, you know, those who Respond or those where CGRP is playing a role in their migraine. Right. And so not everyone would perhaps have CGRP driving that migraine, but in the majority of patients, we did see pain relief. Okay, so people should know CGRP is uh, Amgen has one, uh, Lily has one, Teva has one. Those are monthly. Uh, Allergan, which is merging with, uh, with AbbVie, has a once a day pill. But this would be different from those. This would be additive, or, or would the FDA say that someone like me can't take it because I also take aim of it? This is different because we're trying to disrupt this, this place. We're the only company that has this quick dissolve, orally dissolving tablet where you put it in your mouth, it quickly disperses and has a very quick onset of action and then lasts for a couple of days. It's an oral, simple-to-use pill. It's not a needle or an injectable like all those other ones. That right. You and so that's where we're um, going to disrupt the space a little bit with this unique approach. And in addition to that, we're the only company that's looking to use this pill at this dose for both acute and prevention of Migraine. We're going after. Don't get me excited. You know that I care so much about this disease and I don't want anyone to get their hopes up because there's 30 million sufferers and the community, the medical community has not been good until recently. Well, we think we're on to something here with uh, really targeting the underlying pathophysiology of this illness. uh, And we hope we can bring a better treatment to patients in the first quarter of 2020 where we expect our NDA approval. That's huge. It could be really, really big. Well, look, i got to wish you the best of luck. 30 million of us wish you the best of luck. And, of course, Alzheimer's very tough. I would rather, you, know, you want to keep the expectations down on that one, but the CGRP acute sounds terrific. Thank, Thank you, you so much. That's Dr. Thank Vlad Korak. He's the CEO of Biohaven Pharmaceuticals. Guys, it's the real deal. And the medicines that it would replace if it works, these are medicines you don't want to take because they create so many side effects that you have to be monitored constantly. Stick with Kramer. One last trade, Hogdeal, Zoetis. Yeah, they got the vaccines that the Chinese do not have. Well, I'd say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I am Jim Kramer, and I will see you Monday. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.